0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 98, Soldier, Physician, Astronaut. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. If you're new to the show, we bring in the NASA experts to talk about all the different parts of our agency. Sometimes we get lucky enough to bring in astronauts to talk about their story. So today we're talking with Andrew Morgan, goes by Drew. He's a U.S. astronaut who is about to launch to the International Space Station this July 2019 for his very first space flight. We discussed his journey from moving around in a military family, his education to become a medical doctor, his time in the military as a flight surgeon and parachuting out of planes, and his training that has prepared him for his extended stay in space that will take him through three expeditions over just about nine months. That's a long time to be away from family, so joining us is his wife, Stacy Morgan, to talk about how she and their four children are prepared for Drew's mission. So here's the story of NASA astronaut, medical doctor, and U.S. Army colonel, Andrew Morgan. Enjoy.
1: T-minus five seconds, and counting. Mark. We'll that line, for the there she goes. Is not we have a podcast.
0: Drew and Stacy Morgan, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time, especially this close to launch. Really appreciate you guys have both, having you both here today.
1: Well, thank you for having us.
0: Yes, thank you. All right, so Drew, I, I wanted to start with I wanted to go back and, and just get your story really and then and then stacy how you're interwoven through this because really i mean this we are coming up on a launch here soon i mean we're talking about the 20th anniversary or the, sorry 50th anniversary of apollo 11 that you were launching and you're going to be up there for a while so so there's a lot of family elements here but taking it back all the way to your childhood you were born in morgantown west virginia i gotta ask this is not your town right
1: no it's, okay. it's certainly not um i was born into a military family my parents are from Western Pennsylvania originally and uh, at the time I was born my dad was finishing dental school at West Virginia University and then he was commissioned in the Air Force and um, and that began my life of moving around every couple of years um, we lived anywhere from in, in one, lo- one location maybe two to four years at a time um, lived in California lived in New York lived in Texas uh, lived overseas in Great Britain lived in Delaware so that was a big aspect of who I was, uh, was being a military brat that moved around every couple of years.
0: Yeah, did you get kind of used to it after a while? Just all right, we're gonna pack up and move again. Guess I gotta make new friends.
1: It's all I ever knew as a child was was moving every couple of years, and that kind of reset and starting over in a new location became um, very routine and it, I think it made me and both of my brothers very adaptable and it was something that obviously that I uh, enjoyed enough that I thought oh, I'm gonna have a military career myself and I wanted the same thing you know now that I have my own children I was expecting we'd move every couple of years so uh, it definitely was something I viewed as very positive
0: but you said Western Pennsylvania is your home base?
1: Home base uh, I consider myself uh, my hometown to be Newcastle, Pennsylvania which is where my parents and my grandparents are from but uh, I actually never lived there. It was just where I would return to in the summers uh, for vacations or for holidays. So it's important as a military family to have something to call home when you move around so much. And so it's still part home, but it's just never a place that I actually lived for any duration of time.
0: I can absolutely relate. Western Pennsylvania for me too, Cranberry Township. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. not too far away. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, my my dad was a manager and we moved around mostly around the Pennsylvania area. Mm -hmm. So I was was born in Eastern Pennsylvania we moved around. I went to New York as well. But we. But I guess, you know, Cranberry Township is, is sort of home base. When I go there, that's where my friends are and everything. But, yeah, I, I absolutely get it. And I get the value of moving around a lot. It, it really helped, especially with me, and I'm sure for you, adapting to new situations throughout your life.
1: Certainly adapting to new situations, uh, understanding uh, different cultures, just different parts of the United States, but the European travel that I was able to do as part of living over there, it just w- it really formulated uh, m- my mind in a way that was very positive and something that I, th- I thought was valuable enough to want to do the same thing for my kids.
0: And that's kind of where this uh, military career, so it seems like pretty early on, you kind of knew you were gonna go the soldier route
1: i definitely was interested in being in the military from early on i have always had an interest in space and aviation and the military uh, the the combination of all three but i would say that the uh, certainly something that i viewed as very achievable for me was to be in the military Hmm. and uh and i considered all the branches of the service as it was i i chose to go to west point and was commissioned as an army officer um so um but i can't remember a time that i didn't want to be in the military
0: <laughs> now what about space where, where did that come from you said you, there's always been a time i'm guessing there was some some moments in your life where really this kind of had a background this this idea of, of space
1: yeah definitely um so because my dad was a uh, an air force officer and we were around air force bases quite a bit there was that uh, element of aviation that was I was always exposed to and I certainly was intrigued by that. Um, at uh, one point we lived in Texas for about five years between Austin and San Antonio and this was the height of the space shuttle era and at that time, shuttles were launching fairly regularly and uh, they would be ferried across the country from California to Florida on that uh, on the shuttle carrier aircraft. And I can remember both when we lived in Austin and San Antonio, seeing it fly over on the back of the 747 and also seeing it on the ground and, and just remem- being aware of the launches going on that time. The Challenger tragedy occurred while I was living in Texas as a fourth grader. Um, so those things definitely etched in my mind and sp- space was very much uh, on my conscience and and something that I was very interested in. Um, I also often tell the story about when I was a fourth grader in uh, San Antonio during the celebration of the Texas sesquicentennial, and we all wrote to famous Texans, and I chose to write to Apollo astronaut Alan Bean, and uh, I got a lithograph back from him, signed by him, and I was super excited to receive that, and I, I gave it to the school as part of the celebration, and, um, and I often say that that was kind of the seed that was planted at that time um, when I got that letter back from NASA with, you know, NASA letterhead. It was very exciting, um, and a special significance since now I'm going to be flying on the ISS for the 50th anniversary of Apollo 12, the um, Alan Beans mission. And um, and as you know, it just passed in the last year, so mm-hmm. this is it's really unique. And I'll be flying, actually, an Apollo 12 patch with me um, because that was so meaningful to me.
0: Wow. Yeah. All these images, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as you're telling them, I'm picturing in my head, yes, they're going to be images that you're not going to forget, the shuttle on the back and, and Alan Bean. This are, these are very significant moments. Um, but it, w- it was later. I think you went to you went to West Point, and I think you went for uh, environmental engineering, right?
1: I did. I I was um, always interested in math and science, and uh, West Point being a really great engineering school, I thought I should probably major in engineering. Um, and I was able to combine a couple things that I liked. I liked um, physical geography. I liked. Um, I liked engineering, I liked math, I liked biological sciences, um, uh, and those all combined very well in environmental engineering, and so um, and that was kind of the w- my thinking at the time drew me to that conclusion. Knowing that I was probably interested in going to medical school, I thought it was an an interesting supplement to, uh, to a medical education to have an engineering degree.
0: Yeah, I, I, ca- I can understand that. It's this, it's this degree that's broad enough where you get to explore different elements, and then, y- you know, you have something subtle in the back of your mind, like, yeah, I might go that route, but let's let's check it all out first, and let me see what I'm really interested in, and then I'll kind of focus. Yeah, and my a focus.
1: unique aspect of the education at West Point is uh, whether you're interested in engineering or not, you will get a fair amount of it, so you might as well <laughs> just embrace it and, and finish the degree in it.
0: Well, uh, so so is West Point. Actually, Stacy, this is where this is where you come in, right? Where that's did you, right. Where did you meet Drew? Uh, we were both cadets together
2: at West Point. I like to think I made his final two years there a little more exciting.
1: <laughs> she certainly did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's how we met. Okay. Um, I guess uh, you met, and then you know you st- you stayed together because after West right. Point, um, I think you went to Drew. You went to Maryland.
1: I went to Maryland, uh, I, I had applied to medical school, I got into Uniformed Services University the Health Sciences in um, Bethesda, Maryland mm-hmm. and um, and Stacy was finishing her degree at George Washington University in Washington DC so we were nearby each other for uh, while she was finishing her degree and I was just beginning medical school.
0: Okay, yeah, so so you were close. You, I mean, you were going your own career path, but it was close enough where you can maintain that relationship.
2: That's right, so we stuck it out, uh, dating for about three plus years and then got married after I graduated from
0: undergrad. All right, three years of distance. We we're, tried to keep it close.
1: I but. mean, we were a, it, um, we were very. Uh, it was just a couple minutes away, so it wasn't too far.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. That's not really. That's not really distance. A few minutes yeah. away. A yeah, few, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few minutes. Okay, so um, uh, you got married. I guess was it? Uh, I guess while you were still in school in Maryland.
1: I, I was still in medical school, about halfway through, when we got married. I see. And uh, Stacy had f- finished her degree, and um, we b- lived in. Um, Gaithersburg Maryland for the first two years uh, of our marriage while I was finishing up medical school
0: okay so so medical school you went for emergency medicine now I know there's different paths in medicine that you can you can go and, and I've talked with uh, specifically the one that's coming to mind is Serena on Chancellor she went for I believe internal <laughs> medicine so there's there's always a, there's a choice I guess when it comes to the type of medical work that you do why did you choose emergency medicine
1: um, you know, I actually started medical school thinking that that I wanted to do emergency medicine, and there were a couple aspects to that. One was um, there's a strong team component of being of working in the emergency room, and I always thought that was really neat—the way that uh, doctors, nurses, and uh, um, and uh, medics work together to deal with chaos that walks in through the door. Um, I liked being very broad, um, knowing a little bit about every specialty, kind of being able to deal with anything that walked through the door. Um, That was also really important to me because I knew that I wanted to do operational medicine, medicine in the field uh, as a physician to soldiers, and emergency medicine felt like the best preparation for doing that for the career that I wanted to have. Mm
0: Yeah, you were going, it seems like I mean, for me, this is just listening to this, I'm, I'm all stressed out with uh, with the emergency medicine thing. But even beforehand, while you were in West Point, you were actually parachuting with the I think it was the Black Knights, right? So even jumping out of planes. So, Stacy. I mean, how? How? Uh, how <laughs> I guess you you enjoy the danger, right? You were looking for the.
2: Well, it was certainly exciting to have a yeah. boyfriend jumping out of helicopters <laughs> every day. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, ever since I met Drew, he's always been a part of teams, and hmm. um, I think um, that's part of who he is. He works well in teams. He seeks out teams, uh, high performing teams, teams that take risks together. And so, I mean calculated risk. calculated risk calculated that's right risk. Not, not irresponsible risk um yeah so i mean when i first met him he was on that team and and even like he said through medical school and as he was we were kind of figuring out what specialty he was going to choose it was not a surprise that he would choose emergency medicine <laughs> um both for that team aspect but also because since the day i met him um you know i have knew like he's he is a soldier at heart and he wanted to be back with Uh, his soldiers and so you know you kind of have a choice as to um, whether you're going to try to stay more in the hospital or you're going to be out more in the field and I knew I always knew he was going to be out in the field with the soldiers and so um, that wasn't a huge surprise but and that's kind of been a theme really through his whole life it's it's team it's um, sacrifice
0: it's service did you keep up your parachuting skills while you were in the uniformed services university
1: I um I would say I took a several year hiatus where I would just occasionally jump uh you know if I was getting together with old teammates um, but from the time I left West Point until I finished medical school and residency, I didn't really start jumping again until I went back to the operational army and was in an airborne unit doing static line jumps where you jump out and the, the line pulls the parachute out for you. And then I also ha- uh, developed a relationship with the army parachute team, the Golden Knights and started free fall jumping again. And then eventually went to the military free fall parachutist course and continued jumping operationally. and. Um, So there was a period of time there I wasn't doing it regularly. I usually viewed it as an aspect of my job more so than as a hobby that I did on the weekends. Um, The military enabled me to do it for free, so it, it was hard for me to pay for that on the weekends when I could do it as an aspect of my job.
0: Right. But you said, Stacy. You said that the teams were really important to you, Drew. And and it seems like, um, especially when you you were talked about the Golden Knights parachuting. This is when you were in uh, North Carolina at the Womack uh, Army Medical Center, if that's right.
1: I was. I was. Um, when we moved to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, I had a couple of different jobs uh, there, and um, I was a, a staff physician at Womack Army Medical Center, and I was um, then the battalion surgeon of a couple of different uh, types of. Uh, special operations, special forces uh, units, um, where my primary responsibility was to take care of the soldiers and families in that organization.
0: So, and that's kind of where I was going with the with the whole teams thing is, I, I think while you were, uh, you know, with the Golden Knights, you were also a, a, a physician. So you had that kind of ability to connect with the folks that you were, you were tending to, if that's... It. Am I getting that right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, yeah. that was um, my medical skill set always uh, always felt like it could always be a contributing member of any team. They definitely saw value in um, being able to reach out and, and touch a physician easily, get a hold of me at, a, at any hour, um, my relationship with the, the Army parachute team, but also my relationship with the unit that I was in at the, at the time, 3rd Special Forces Group, uh, being that being available to them like that was... Um, Was extremely important. And participating in the operational skills like jumping out of airplanes, uh, diving, flying in helicopters, um, basic soldier skill types. stuff to be able to do that well alongside of them gave me a lot of credibility with the soldiers felt like that they could uh they could uh confide in me in a different way than they could with a if their physician was somebody that they couldn't necessarily relate to and being alongside them and experiencing those things with them made me um approachable and it made me it it helped me understand them and their mentality better and integrate in a different way
0: and I'm guessing you took those skills with you on the on the next thing, which was I guess for the next few years you were you were kind of all over the place, but there was this area of deployment, I think as well, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, in those five years that we were in North Carolina, um, I spent um, over a year deployed overseas between Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and some short trips to the African continent as well. Um, so my family at, at this point was, you know, we our uh we were having uh our family was slowly growing at this time and so um i was deploying gone frequently and our family was growing uh, on the side Um, (laughs) so it was a it was a very dense time in my career of uh, of trying to balance family with the operational requirements of a very busy army
0: oh very true and stacy and it's not a walk in the park for you either it was definitely a busy time it was
2: very busy it felt like um we would get pregnant. He'd deploy come back, and a month later the, we'd have the baby. <laughs> yeah. so it
0: yeah. was like, welcome home. We're
2: about to have Fine. another baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was. Um, but it was good. I mean, I, I, it, what could have been a very challenging time on paper. Um, you would wonder, gosh, how does a family, a spouse, get through that many deployments? Plus, he went to a number of different schools. There were a lot of more kind of high risk schools, and of course, that's more months. Uh, you know, cumulative away from M- the family, military, school, military yeah. schools. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the key was I was surrounded by other spouses who's, you know, understood what we were all in the same boat together. We all understood service and sacrifice kind of in a, a more intimate way than maybe the average person. And, um, and so that really made all the difference. What what could have been a really hard time, actually, those five years were some of the best of our army life, uh, even though it was challenging in, in in many ways
0: yeah. yeah that idea of a community you got you have a support group and yeah. that made all the difference yeah
1: it, I, I mean I would add to that I would say that w- that we really thrived and that's where we developed the the skill of being a part and and um, and doing well as a family as a result of that and uh, and not just being a part but also in very dangerous environments. And, you know, when Stacy and I met, I was already on the on the parachute team. She's known that I've been a calculated risk taker uh, <laughs> from, from the moment she she met me, and she knows that's an element of of, uh, of of who I am. Of being a part of a team and taking these calculated risks as part of that team. That's something that's uh, uh, been a thread throughout my entire career, and she's always been extremely supportive of that, um, and that goes all the way back to the beginning, and. Uh, her understanding of that has uh, has helped me uh, become the person that I am.
0: And I'm sure that is it's going to transition nicely into you becoming an astronaut. At what point did you decide this is something that I want to pursue? I w- I want to I'm going to start applying.
1: Well, I I mentioned that I had this early on interest in, in aviation and, and space, um, but I never planned my career around how to become an astronaut, uh, clearly, because the pathway that I followed was not one that's well known for becoming an astronaut. Um, but I I knew that I said, I, I always told myself I, I should apply, I should at least give it a shot. And I didn't have mentors or anybody that had Gone that pathway, so I really wasn't sure um, how how, would, how to pursue that. Even um, I watched the last space shuttle launch in 2011 with my um, my son, who was then seven years old, and I thought when the space shuttle launched that there would be no more astronauts selected. I didn't, I really didn't know. And then in 2000, uh, within uh, a couple months of that, I think just a, f- uh, a few months later, they announced that they were going to select a class in 2013. And I was at a good point in my career at that at point where I thought maybe this is the time to apply. And I remember telling uh, Stacy about it, and I said, "I'm I'm going to apply," and I th- I think I mean you can speak to it. You can be uh, I I I told her that there's just there's no way I'm going to get selected, so just <laughs> let me apply. It's what's the big deal?
2: Right. Yeah. Well, like anybody knows, I mean, astronauts. Uh, when they are selected are usually you know obviously doing extremely well in whatever career field that they have chosen at that point and usually if you've reached that level of success you are Uh, you're all in. You know, you you have to be all in, and that includes your family. And so we were all in with what we were doing in the Army. We were about to move to Germany as a family. Um, Literally, the movers had been scheduled. Uh, You know, everything was packed up. I was already looking for rental homes online (laughs) and getting pretty excited about a couple years of a European experience with our kids. And um, he said, I want to apply And I was like, "Um, really, okay? And he said, well, don't worry. Um, We're still, I'm sure we're still gonna get our European experience because the likelihood of me being selected is, is very low. They've never selected an army physician before. You know, if nothing else, you know, our joke became, no matter what, you'll always be a NASA applicant. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and so we will cherish the uh, rejection letter forever you know um, the problem was he kept making every gate
1: I started making cuts <laughs> along the way and then it started to you know like Stacey said I mean my career is in a good place I was very very satisfied I often say that if I had not been selected as an astronaut I would have been very very fulfilled to continue on the path that I was I l- loved my career I had the dream job I, I believed and um, and I still think that, that, that it was a, a dream job, but as I made cuts along the way, it started to become uh, a little more of a reality, and, and I think Stacy started to think, wait a minute here, what, you, know, I th- you said there was no way this was going to happen. This is really changing wh- how I thought the next uh, aspect of, uh, of our career, our lives together was going to look.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it went from thousands, you know, don't worry, there's thousands of people applying, and then it went down to hundreds, and then a hundred, and then a handful. Still a you long know, shot. it's still a long shot. Don't worry. Even don't, at the handful point, even at the handful point, you know, you knew we knew it was going to be a small class. We knew the likelihood was of, of it was still very small. Drew had met all the other, you know. Candidates down at, at different interview processes, and he'd come back and tell me about these amazing people <laughs> who we had met, and they're so accomplished, and they're so well spoken, and,
1: and there's no way they'll and select there's me. There's
2: no so way he's going to be chosen, so don't worry. We're still going to Germany. <laughs> don't cancel the movers yet. But, but
1: nevertheless, in um, June 2013, I got a phone call from Janet Cavandi, who's now the um, center director at Glen, and uh, she was she was running their selection board and. She, she called and said uh, would you like to come down and be part of our team and, and you know those words resonate with me very well i will admi- uh you know admit that i i choked up okay you know i i, I cried i mean it was I, it was unbelievable and uh i remember um coming home i didn't call stacy right away i actually turned my phone off i wanted to get home and tell her per- in person and um, she was pulling into the garage, you know, after a busy day of running. Well, I wasn't around. home.
2: You came yeah. home and I wasn't I said, home. Oh, yeah, I surprise, said, surprise, right? Yes. Like I'm sitting at home waiting. I mm-hmm. know. I was out grocery yeah. shopping, which is what most, yeah. you know, moms are doing in the yeah, middle of the
1: day. Right. And she pulled into the garage and I, I told her, I, I said, I have some bad news and some good news. The bad news is that we're not going to get that European vacation because we were just, at this point, a week out from shipping our car to Germany. Oh. Um, but the good news is... I'm going to be an astronaut and uh, (laughs) so (laughs) I guess that's good news right? (laughs) Uh, I mean I was
2: I think at that point when we had reached that point I was starting to mentally prepare myself that I may have to turn off all of the logistics for a European move and switch it to Texas that um, we may need to adjust our mindset a little so yeah I when he he called me when I was at the grocery store and he said you know where are you? I said I'm at the grocery store. Where else would I be? And uh, he said, "I need you to come home." And I thought, "Well, it's either I mean, obviously, really good or really bad news." And when I pulled in and he was waiting in the garage, I knew something something was up that he'd gotten the call. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a quick turnaround. It was a it was a very quick turnaround from getting the call to needing it to actually be down here. So, uh, and at that point, you now we had four kids. So. You know, you got to think about when schools start and having a place to live, and um, turning off everything for Germany. You know, they, like Drew said, we were literally a week away from putting our car on a barge to send to Germany, and we had to turn all that off, switch it all to Texas,
1: and a mentality switch that you know that we're no longer going to be a military family that's going to move every couple of years, and that we're going, you know, going to see the world um, with the military moving us around. Now, to we're going to go live in uh, Houston for you know, potentially decades and, and really grow a deep taproot here. And, um, so that was, that was, uh, kind of really rattled our, our sense of who we w- were and where we were headed.
0: Yeah, it was it was not only a logistical challenge because I'm sure a move to Germany was was not easy. It wasn't just a couple of days weeks. I mean, this is this is a lot of planning that you That's just not right. have to chuck and then right. say, "All right, well, let's start let's start and go to go to Houston instead." But that yeah, that that mentality of of basically switching the definition of what how you've defined your family thus far. Uh, now, now you're you going to have roots, roots in Texas. I'm sure, uh, even at this point now, do you feel like you have stronger roots in Texas, being here for as long as you have?
2: Well, our kids definitely consider themselves Texans. Texans. Yeah.
0: nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I
2: grew up in New <laughs> England, and so the, the thought that I would live in Texas for most of my life is just something I'd really never considered until I got <laughs> yeah. down here. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, but this, I did not move around a lot as a kid, so this is feels familiar, you know, um, having all your kids graduate from the same school and have friends that they, you know, meet in kindergarten and graduate with from high school. Um, I'm familiar with that. That was kind of a new thing for Drew to wrap his mind around. Um, there's there's pluses and minuses to both to both lifestyles. And so it was that transition from, you know, finding the positives of this new way of doing life.
1: The six years is it? big portion of a of a child's life and so at this point uh only our oldest two maybe have some uh memory of, of living in Virginia and living in New- North Carolina
0: yeah but otherwise Texans they're yeah. Texans yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes they're going for that Tex-Mex and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's all right absolutely <laughs> um so so tell me about some of your some of your first days you know because because you were an astronaut candidate for for two years that's a lot of training tell me about when you first got to NASA and and hit the ground running
1: yeah, there were several aspects of astronaut candidate training. I think um, one of the most jarring for a, a, a lot of us was uh, we got thrust right into Russian language training, which is uh, uh, quite a challenge. We got started on that pretty quickly. Um, we, uh, for those of us that you know, in my class of eight, six of us had military backgrounds, and um, five of us had some sort of aviation backgrounds as well, and uh, and I. Uh, along with two of my classmates Jessica Muir and Christina Cook um, were because we weren't rated military aviator aviators we were sent to Pensacola um, where we learned kind of the fundamentals of being aircrew um, through the Navy and um, as luck would have it, I'm the two, uh, the three of us spent two months together early on and kind of built a very strong bond early on. And I'll be flying on the International Space Station with both of them at, <laughs> at one at one point, which is great. That's awesome. Um, so flying was a was an important part of our training. That from. Those basics that we developed in Pensacola, we came back and learned to be crew members in, in the T-38, which is our supersonic jet trainer that we use for what we call spaceflight readiness training. And it just helps us hone those skills of uh, crew, good crew interaction using checklists and um, working in an environment that is actually uh, quite dangerous and, and has that, um, that element of, of risk that we, we are constantly mitigating. Uh, we learned systems uh, on the International Space Station. We learn uh, the fundamentals of robotics and operating the robotic arm. Um, and then a big part of what, uh, what we do also is just uh, bond as a class. And, you know, I continually come back to the, that team concept and uh, what we call in the astronaut corps uh, expeditionary skills, those, those skills that uh, build good teams and make you a good teammate because living on board the International Space Station for months at a time, being a good teammate, uh, has been proven time and time again as w- as important as the technical skills. And so we d- did things like um, went on geology trips where that involved camping, uh, or we, uh, participated in uh, short expeditions uh, through the national outdoor leadership school, Knowles, um, art, my class went to Wyoming and did an, a nine day trip. Um, and those things stand out in my mind as much as any of the, uh, the technical training is getting to, to know and function in a team, you know, sometimes, um, the, the chemistry is not, uh, is, is not perfect, and you learn how to work through tough times together. And, uh, but I can say that my uh, seven other classmates, uh, the, the eight of us together, we're like family now. And um, we're all assigned to flights right now, and I'm, at one point I'll be on board the ISS. With there'll be four from my class alone on board the ISS together. Um, we could never have imagined that that would be the case, and uh, because we forged those bonds so many years ago and have built these these family-like relationships, uh, the the ISS program is going to benefit from the fact that we've know that we know each other so well, and that our families know each other so well.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'd add that in those first two years, we spent a lot of time as families socially together, yeah, which is very important, um, not just for the spouses, um, the spouses of the other fellow eight balls are some of my best friends. Um, but for our kids as well, you know, it's, it's a good thing when sometimes they forget how unusual it is to have a parent who is an astronaut, they really don't always fully comprehend how unique that is, because they have so many friends uh, in their own schools, in their neighborhoods, down the street that they play with uh, you know, almost every day whose dads and moms do the exact same thing, and it's no big deal, it's, oh yeah, your, your dad's in Russia this week, yeah, my mom's in Japan, and they're <laughs> going to be on the space station together, you know, like no big deal, it could be anything. Um, which is great, because it helps balance out what could be very stressful times. Um, you know there are times when when people want to talk to them and um, ask them how you know how do you feel about this and isn't this crazy that your your dad's going to the space station and sometimes they don't even know how to answer that question because it's kind of an adult question but also it's they haven't thought of it as being super unusual because they have 15 they have, friends who, whose who's who's parents who's, have already gone and yeah. will
0: be going next year you know so it's not a big deal. Man, this area just blows my mind. Like, that is a normal thing around here. Just oh yeah, your dad's in space. Oh yeah, mine's gonna. Oh, yeah, go mine's going up next yeah. week. Yeah, oh, they'll be together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we're also really thankful for those those friends. Uh, it, like Stacy said, that the, the spouses have this relationship, and and our children have this relationship, and they're, you know, we're growing up. Well, we say uh, we're doing life together uh, and we support e- each other. It's, a, it's really a unique aspect. It reminds us a lot of what it was like to be in a military unit uh, in many ways. Um, so it's been a, a fantastic e- experience and r- just grateful for the ability to lean on each other by that, like that.
0: And I think that's going to be especially important for you, Drew, because you're going to spend a little bit longer in space, right? I think about nine months.
1: Yes, um, my mission is going to be a little bit longer than, uh, than the standard uh, ISS uh, expedition, um, but uh, I won't be the only one. Uh, Christina Cook, my classmate, will be on board for even longer than I will be, and we'll get to overlap uh, together on that for about, Seven months, and I know that she feels the same way. Which is, y- we we view this as, as part of our duty. We're both very service oriented, and this is what the ISS program needs um, for the benefit of science, for the benefit of the um, the presence on the International Space Station. That we stay longer, and we. You know, while the announcement wasn't that long ago that we were being extended, the the writing had been on the wall for a little while, and we had been prepped for it. And our the chief astronaut, Pat Forrester, had been uh, in dialogue with us for many months about it, and um, and making sure that we were comfortable with it. So I'd been able to prepare Stacy and, uh, and Christina, were able to prepare her husband Bob um, for this possibility, and so it wasn't a surprise, and they f- fully embraced it, and just the the sense of of uh, that this is our our. Service to the, the ISS program, service to the international um, partnership, makes it very, very um, exciting to be a part of it.
0: So, Stacey, do you feel do you feel ready? And and the four kids too? Do you feel? Oh, ready?
1: I don't think
2: you can ever feel fully ready. Yeah. I mean, it is such a unique experience. I've certainly never lived with a spouse. Orbiting above me, <laughs> um, but you know, it's we're doing our best to do to prepare in the best way that we can, and then I think having the attitude of flexibility and um, adjusting as we go, because I think there will be several aspects that you just you just can't prepare for until you get there, because it is different for every. Even though I have great relationships with other spouses who have experienced this, and they have passed their wisdom on to me, and certainly are supporting me as I prepare. Every family situation is different because your, your relationship is different, your kids are different, the time is different, thi- different things happen while they are you know, on board the space station, so it's hard to know exactly how you will feel or what will happen while they're gone, um, but yeah, we're doing our best.
0: But if anyone's ready I, th- I think I think I mean I can say with confidence it seems like you're ready you have th- you have the background of being the military family adapting to new situations plus as you said this is a strong community group even you said just just your class alone has this strong bond but the area itself is full of people who are who are ready to support you it seems like it seems like things are sort of going your way but at the same time you're right it's 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 not super predictable
2: No and it's definitely having experienced deployments in the past I mean you learn um, you learn how to ask for help. That is a skill that most of us don't do well uh, mm. because it's hard to be independent and be able to you know, keep your family moving while also asking for help and accepting that help when people offer it to you. Um, learning how to say no and you know, simplify things, and and not feel false obligation to do things that you really just don't have the margin to do when you are single parenting for an extended period of time. Um, those are all skills that definitely started to learn when we were in the military, um, but. You know our kids are a lot older now, and there's more of them than there were <laughs> when we um, when uh, we did deployments. And there's a you know nine months. Drew will be gone pretty much an entire summer and an entire school year, and that's a you know that's a long time in the life of an eight year old, and even the life of a fifteen year old. You know our our son will learn to drive while Drew's gone. Um, you know our daughter will finish junior high, and she'll be prepared to go into high school when he gets back. You know it's a lot of a lot of life, and so there's that challenge of. Um, moving life forward, which we have to do, whether Drew is with us or not, but also helping him feel connected and a part of what we're doing—that's
0: kind of the biggest challenge. So, are you ready, Drew, to be away from the family for that long?
1: You know, I—it's—it's it's really hard for me actually to think about the the a huge piece of my children's life and Stacy's life that I will miss. Um, but you know, I as I alluded to earlier, I when I was 18 years old, I made the, the decision to serve my country. And, um, and then I made the decision a- along the way to become an astronaut. And I view this as a continuation of that service. So I'm not just serving my country now, I'm serving this thing bigger than myself. And that is what is going to drive me and, and keep me going. Uh, because if I focus too much on what I'm going to be missing out in their lives, it, it, it really, it, it's just, sometimes it's too hard to bear so really as a family we have to focus on the service aspect and stacy does a good job of of rationalizing that uh, to our children um, she's um, she's always very positive in the way that she she speaks about it and the importance of of the service just the way she did when i would uh, when i was gone in iraq and afghanistan children were younger then they couldn't uh, quite uh, understand that but now it absolutely resonates uh, with them um, and then y- knowing that we're going to have really good connectivity, we'll you know we'll be able to talk on the phone. We'll be able to video conference. Um, I think you know Stacy and I are thinking about projects and things that we can work on together. A couple of weeks ago, um, I got together with Scott Kelly just to ask him about the the you know what were some of his lessons learned from being away for as long as he uh, as he was and. W- what would you re- recommend to me and one of the things he, he mentioned was um trying to, to to have a few projects that you're working on with with your spouse and so you know we we like to do home improvement projects and i know it, it sounds crazy to do a home improvement project from space but <laughs> but uh you know stacy's um you know she 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 enjoys it too, and one of the things that we like to do is kind of plan it and talk about it and kind of go go back and forth. And I mean, we've talked about a couple things that we might even try. Maybe maybe we're crazy for trying to do home improvement projects from <laughs> we'll all over space, it. but <laughs> <laughs> um, we also talked about doing things like. Um, maybe running a half marathon together where I run it on the tre- treadmill or something and she does the same one and we listen to the same. Yeah, listen to the same, same music same at the music, same time. Same playlist so, the, so we kind of know where we're you know where we are, we'll start it at, at the simultaneously. And we're just trying to think of little things like that that we can that we can stay connected, little projects that we that we know that we're both working on and, and help drive conversation, prevent it from becoming too routine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of of doing these these nice ways to connect, but then also setting goals for the future. And I think it'll it'll make the time fly. But I'm sure you know, that's it's a long time to be to be away from family and on the station. But you're going to be doing a lot. You have a very important job, as you said, a service a service to to the space community to science, there's there's a lot that you can do. What can we look forward to, uh, to you doing over these nine months?
1: Well, um, of course, the most important thing that we'll be doing on board the ISS is um, running science payloads. And before, when I was an, a candidate and even prior to me being assigned, the concept of science on board the ISS was, kind of, we, we just we didn't get a lot of training in specific payloads because they're constantly changing. And so the idea of conducting an experiment in space was strictly con- conceptual. But now that I'm a year and a half into my training and I've been sp- trained on specific payloads and specific pr- uh projects that i'll be participating in now i've got a lot of buy-in and and seeing some of those uh you know i'll be one of the last subjects for fluid shifts and that is a really interesting um study to me it involves a lot of ultrasound which was an interest of mine uh in my medical career as well and so i'll be participating in that and that will that will uh be quite an investment of my time while i'm on board Um, we also have quite a few Uh, spacewalks planned and uh, I'm looking forward to being able to do these spacewalks potentially with my classmates or with my crewmate Luca Parmitano it'll be uh, it's going to be really it's going to be an exciting time and then there's also the possibility that some of the first U.S. crew vehicles could visit while we're there which will be uh, that will be you know, historic and uh, and to see people come up that you know that we know well. It's like having people, uh, and we're not sure exactly when they'll come. And when they do, it'll be really exciting to see these familiar faces come on board the ISS with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely a busy time, an important time. You're going to be doing a lot of a lot of different things. Um, you know, speaking of science investigations, particularly because of your background as a physician, uh, is, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to or interested in, just just cu- even curious about from from your medical training about what's going to happen to your body in space?
1: So I didn't have a um, an extensive background in space medicine prior to being selected, so a lot that I've learned about space medicine has been here as an astronaut, and uh, there's no experience quite like personal anecdotal experience to talk about things like how you adapt to space and how you do just basic functions and um, so I'm very interested in doing that from a professional perspective that I'll be able to speak about it much more intelligently now uh, after I've gone through it and not just gone through it but gone through it for a long period of time and talk about the, the aspects of the body changing
2: Okay. And then changing
0: back.
1: Yep, and then cha- and then changing back after you, c- after you come home.
0: <laughs> and then changing back. Stacy, uh, do you have do you have plans for what how you're going to carry through this these nine months? I mean, besides the connection with, with Drew, any any uh, and of course the home the home projects. Oh yes, yeah, well,
2: I mean personally, I like to have projects to do and um I always like to try to find the positive I mean it's never fun when you're you know when your best friend is gone for a long period of time so you have to focus on the positives like I'm sure I will binge watch tons of shows that Drew doesn't want to watch and I will make whatever I want for dinner without asking any other adult what, what they're having um you know there are there are tiny little things you can do that just help the time feel a little less painful um but yeah, it'll be the creative connection things that we'll try to do that will make it, you know, worthwhile. Our kids are terrible phone talkers. You know, none of them, not kids, don't talk on the phone anymore. Uh, they text each other, they FaceTime each other, but talking on the phone will be the primary way that we will communicate with Drew. And so, um, a big task is going to be training my kids to talk on the phone, <laughs> uh, which I think is something that any parent can. Uh, you know <laughs> understand like kids are just ter- they're just terrible so that's going to be a big skill we have to work on
1: yeah well, we were ask them to, to journal a little bit to kind of think about the things they want to update me on so that we do make sure that they, right. you know that they all have their opportunity to speak to me one-on-one uh, and talk about the things that they would otherwise forget if they hadn't written them down in their journal <laughs>
0: Well, okay. So there's. I, I'm, it sounds like you have a lot of plans to, to stay connected, which is which is going to be very important over these next nine months. In terms of being in space, any tricks you've gotten from some of your colleagues, any tips on 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 what to do? I mean, even you said Scott Kelly, especially for the length of time, but just adapting to space or anything that really sticks in your mind.
1: Yeah. So uh, I've been in communication with. Um, Nick, Haig, uh, Ann McLean, and Christina Cook, who are on board right now. And as I mentioned, they're my my classmates. And so it makes it very easy to send them emails and talk on the phone. I know we've talked multiple times and uh, email exchanges almost daily um, as they're preparing for our, our arrival. But hearing it from their perspective is so much more meaningful than talking to a senior astronaut who's done it multiple times you know I Scott Kelly's flown and been in, in space for you know uh, 500 some odd days and so hearing it from him is very different than hearing it from my classmates who are just experiencing the f- first couple of weeks and so that has a different value f- uh, for me the other thing that that really helps is that when they communicate to me they reassure me the training is excellent you have you know everything you need to know We just want you to get here we have everything ready for you to go Uh, we'll have everything set up we'll teach you to do everything that can't be taught on the ground don't worry about a thing and getting those types of messages and phone calls from them is that's the value of having a classmate on board the ISS to know that I'm going to be welcomed and I'm going to see familiar faces that I love and that I know that they're going to take great care of me and teach me what I need to know it just makes it comforting for me makes it comforting for my family to know that my transition will be smooth
0: yeah See your 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 connection with teams and your desire to be part of a team I guess extends even off the planet on the planet between off and on the planet you know you're going to be connecting with your family connecting with your with your crewmates having these strong bonds is is it sounds crucial to to getting through these 9 months it's going to be it's going to be very interesting Drew and Stacy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling and telling your story. This was absolutely fascinating. And Drew, Godspeed on your mission. I really am uh, looking forward to seeing your mission over these next couple of months.
2: If there's just one thing I could say, because oh, um, I don't often have the opportunity to speak to this audience, but I just wanted to uh, personally thank all of the NASA employees. I know there are thousands of employees and contractors and uh, who show up every day, and they do their job with... Uh, a level of dedication and diligence and precision that most of us cannot even comprehend, and those all add up to mission success. Um, but for for me personally, for our family, mission success is really it's so much more than science and exploration. For us, ultimate mission success is the safe return home of my husband, my best friend, the father of my four children, and. Um, I just want to thank sincerely all those NASA employees for, for what they do um, on behalf of my family, on behalf of our extended family, and really on behalf of all of the astronaut families who have launched in the past and will launch in the future. You know, you hold our heart in your hands every day that you, um, you do what you need to do and we, we value you so much. So in all sincerity, thank you so much on behalf of all of the astronaut families.
0: That's wonderful. It takes a village.
1: Well, and thanks, Stace, for saying that because I don't think I could add anything else to that because uh, that expressed all the gratitude that I could possibly muster. And thanks for having us both here to talk about um, the unique aspects of, uh, of a mission coming up. And uh, I just really appreciate the time.
0: I appreciate your time. Thanks. Godspeed. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So today we got to talk to uh, Colonel Andrew Morgan and his wife, Stacy Morgan, uh, just right before his launch coming up this July. So if you want to watch it, go to nasa.gov slash ntv, and uh, you can tune in on the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. That's July 20th, 2019. Uh, he's going to be launching with his crewmates, Luca Parmitano and Alexander Svortsov. Uh, He's going to be launching to the International Space Station for nine months, and while he's there, he's going to be with a few few of his classmates, as he described uh, during today's podcast, that he graduated with, uh, or at least were selected with in the the class of 2013. We've interviewed a couple of them before. If you want to check out episode 65 to listen to Nick Haig's story and uh, episode 82 to listen to Christina Cook, both will be on the same time as uh, Colonel Morgan. Now, as I said, this is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing that Andrew Morgan is launching to the space station on July 20th. We've done a couple episodes here on the podcast dealing with the Apollo 11 50th anniversary. So for all things Apollo, we have a collection for you. It's at nasa.gov slash johnson hwhap, as in Houston we have a podcast, slash Apollo 50th. Uh, you can also go to nasa.gov podcasts for all the other podcasts that we have through the NASA Johnson Space Center. Uh, Drew Morgan is available on social media. If you want to follow along on his nine-month journey in space on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, he's all there at at AstroDrewMorgan. Otherwise, for all things space station, nasa.gov slash ISS, or on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show. Make sure to mention, for Houston, we have a podcast. This episode was recorded on May 7th, 2019. Thanks to Alex Perryman, John Stoll, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, John Streeter, Brandy Dean, and Megan Sumner. Thanks again to Colonel Andrew Morgan and his wife, Stacy Morgan, for coming on the show. Godspeed on your trip, Drew. We'll be back next week.